Sean, what kind of beer do you drink? Kind of a porter type of guy. I like my beer to be a meal at the end of the day. Yeah. So you're not the uh, crack a bud and party kind of guy, huh? No. I mean, I could party, but I'd probably be asleep by 11. <laughs> Beer's kind of become intellectual these days. There wasn't really a huge craft movement when I started drinking beer. I mean, no, and the shift has been substantial in that now you see beer companies running advertisements, putting down the craft beer movement. That shows that they're threatened, so it's become huge. And homebrewing has become huge, too. I had so many friends in the past five years get into homebrewing to varying degrees of success. And Sean, since we've been doing this podcast series, the one common theme that keeps coming up is hands-on. The more things are immediately available, the more people are doubling back to get that experience. You know, I don't just want a beer. I want to go through the process of learning how to make beer. There's so much more of an emotional connection if you actually put your own self into the process instead of just being a blind consumer. Totally. And there's a bar right now that allows you to do just that. You can go into North High Brewing and brew your own beer. Here we are at North High Brewing with Gavin Meyer, ready to talk about craft brewing. Gavin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How's it going, Chad? Absolutely fantastic. I am having one of your beer cocktails. Yeah, which one? Uh, the coffee. Yes. Yes. That's tasty. Yeah, let's start at the beginning. You came from marketing, you got your MBA, then you decided to set up Columbus's first bar where people can also brew their own beer. That's right. That's right. So when I was uh, I was in my MBA, I was working in, in internet marketing, and uh, I met Tim, my partner. Both really loved beer and, and uh, hated our jobs. And... Uh, <laughs> So uh, we had also both heard about this place in Cleveland where you can go and brew your own beer. Yeah. And um, so not only had we heard about it, but we had heard that there was a six-month wait to get in and brew your own beer. So that was that was kind of the aha moment where we're thinking, okay, why is nobody doing this in Columbus, Ohio? And, you know, I'm somebody who really enjoys the experience, you know. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather bake cookies than read about baking cookies, you know. Uh, I don't know if that's a good example or not, but <laughs> but if you can if you can if you can get the experience of baking them, it makes the eating of the cookies that much more enjoyable. You can appreciate the process and the and the the effort that goes into the the craft. Obviously, beer you brew with your own hands tastes better. Right, to, right, absolutely. Even if it's terrible. <laughs> Even if it's terrible. And I've had some terrible home brews too. Everybody has. So that's one of the nice things about this process is it really takes a lot of the, the variability out of it. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys get driven into our arms by their wives because their wives are sick of them making messes in their own house. You know, we're like, we're like, hey, you don't like the smell? Come here and stink up our house. That's what we do. Okay, I'm here for the first time, and I want to brew my own beer. What's the next step? All you need to do is show up ready to learn, ready to have fun, ready to drink. A lot of fun. Anheuser Busch. Yeah. One thing I have to ask is your opinion on the campaign: the entire is brewed for drinking, not dissecting approach. I mean, is that direct slam on craft brewing? And the thing that was ironic is 
They slammed Pumpkin Peach Ale when they just bought Elysian Brewing, which makes Pumpkin Peach Ale. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think it was actually, I think, of course, it's a shot at craft brewing. I felt like it was just as much a shot at hipsters. I feel like it was a, I feel like it was a hipster bashing commercial almost more than anything. There were some beards in that commercial. <laughs> there were some beards and some handlebar mustaches that, uh, and some flannel shirts and some funny hats. And uh, I, I think at the end of the day, I think it was a brilliant marketing campaign for them because the people that they piss off are people that would never have drank Budweiser anyway. Yeah, my dad, the first time I gave him a craft beer, the, like, sour look on his face, I literally feared for his health. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and craft beer is not for everybody, but, you know, if, typically when a, when a beer drinker first starts out drinking beer, they're not going to start with a pumpkin peach ale or with, a, or with an IPA. They're going to start out with, uh, with a Budweiser or with a Natty Light, and craft... Uh, you know, craft is an acquired taste because craft is uh, craft carries with it a, an abundance of flavor, an abundance of typically higher alcohol, and uh, you've it's a lot of a lot of these extremes of flavors. Just like in any type of cooking or or culinary uh, experience, anything to the extreme is, is is an acquired taste. It was like when I got into classical music. The more I got into it, the more I learned the nuances of it. It was exactly what you said about craft beer. I've never learned to love something and then regretted it after the fact. Well, and I'd say that in, in, with regard to classical music, you know, your Natty Light was uh, Looney Tunes. You know, <laughs> uh, that's kind of your gateway to classical music is cartoons as a kid. That's in uh, Sesame Street. That's where we get, first get introduced to to classical music. So that's your Natty Light, and then uh, and then now WSU is your is is your uh, uh, WC. Oh. How's that? How's that? That fit. I will say that I view Natty Light as maybe Nickelback and Craft Beer as Radiohead. Now you're talking. Which is Kill the Wabbit, kill the Wabbit, kill the Wabbit. Kill the Wabbit. This is my buddy Patrick Testa. He brews beer and pretty good, right? I mean, you win awards with this stuff. Well, there are a plethora of awards that homebrewers can win. Sometimes you don't know what it's based on because you get these <laughs> scores that don't really uh, jibe with what you think you're going to get. But competition is fun because there's a camaraderie and there's competition between homebrewers. So seeing uh, yourself or your friends win an award for a beer, that's kind of fun to do. And it's just something that homebrewers um, have been able to es escalate that type of a thing over the years. How do you compare what you're doing as a homebrewer to like just any craft beer you could go out to the store or the bar and get? Well, I do compare sometimes. I'll, I'll buy a bottle of a specific style that I've brewed and um, do it just do a taste test with people to see how it goes. And a lot of times... Uh, with home brews, you get you get that freshness aspect that you don't get out of um, a beer that's been sitting in a warehouse or um, uh, other places that you're drinking beer. But you know that freshness goes a long way. So you feel feel like you're drinking a really good beer if it's crafted well. What made you want to start brewing in the first place? I think it's an extension of um, like cooking for me. You know, I was a cook. Uh, in an early <laughs> early life when i first 
was explained by my cousin, the aspect of brewing is kind of like making a soup. I'm like, whoa. And so, uh, yeah, it's continued on. I just, I love making the beer probably more so than even drinking it. Were you a beer guy before you started brewing? I, I love beer. I'm not a heavy drinker by any mm. means, uh, but I love the taste of beer. Like I love the taste of food and, and uh, having a, a beer or two is, you know, that's always been uh, something that I enjoy. Yeah. So what do you, um, what do you enjoy in Columbus that's not your own beer? Well, uh, I'm big into doing the flight, the yeah. flight of the day, or picking four or five beers off the menu and just having a few ounces of each, just to taste the different styles. And, and you know, for the most part, if they're being served in a craft brewery, you can be uh, – you could safely assume that they're pretty well done you know they're at they're at least drinkable you know it's not going to be the swill you might get from your next door neighbor <laughs> you ever looked into uh having your brews uh either mass produced or offered at a restaurant or a bar personally i i do have aspirations to do to have a career in in, in making the beer but you know there's so many obstacles and there's so many um so much competition out there it's it, I'd, you'd have to jump in full force, and I don't know if I'm ready to do that just yet, but who knows? You never know. How does marketing affect you? For instance, I never gave Miller Lite the time of day until they put them in the throwback bottles, and there's been pretty much a case sitting in my fridge ever since. <laughs> uh, I, I have to admit, I do have um, nostalgia for certain things. Strohs is one. <laughs> I'm probably one of the only Strohs drinkers you might know. Um, but you know, I I picked that up most, mostly for nostalgia, and and I think those bottles are kind of cool. It kind of brings you back to the to the days where there wasn't much of a choice on what to drink, but at least you had different varieties of of what was out there. And those bottles are pretty neat looking. Uh, yeah, the uh, yeah the throwback bottles, the uh, the Strohs, the old Schlitz recipe, PBR, right. Well, I think I think the brilliance of the of, of PBR is it's a marketing machine. I mean, uh, PBR is a beer that's not even brewed by Pabst. You know, it's a it's a, a PBR Pabst is a marketing machine that happens to package a beer, and that's what they're selling. So you know, they really was completely nerdy and out of vogue, and then all of a sudden, you know, through through marketing and and uh, this was even pre predated most social media. Uh, it, was, it was just a it was just a well packaged uh, marketing campaign that was driven by the by the right kind of influencers that that ends up making it again a resurgence of being a very very highly popular brand and very fashionable and PBR is the same thing you know it's if, if you you can't go to a bar and order a Natty Light in the Short North but almost every bar in the Short North is going to carry PBR because it's because it's hip. You know, it's cult, It's just it's got a culture behind it. It's got a uh, a following, and people know that they can order PBR as a cheap beer and not be uh, looked down on. <laughs> so, would you say the quality is the same between PBR and Nightlight? Uh, I would say, uh, personally, I think the PBR has more flavor to it. I think I would put PBR on the same plane as Yingling Light. Uh, you know, I think that I think the Yingling, which is technically a craft beer, it is it is uh, the, the largest craft brewery now. Now that they're 
considered to be a craft brewery. They're a little bit bigger than, than Sam Adams. Um, but I, I would say that I would say the quality or the flavor is on par with something like a like a Yingling Lager, and uh, and certainly better than, in my opinion, an Addy Light, which I think is one of the most tasteless beers out there. Which I think is why eighteen year olds love it. It was my first beer. I'm not going to even deny it. <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with a beer that we can also term as being uh, poundable. Poundability is not necessarily a bad quality to find in a in a beer. Are you saying you don't pound uh, coffee beer cocktails? I would not recommend it. Not only not only because the alcohol content is that much higher, but also because it's expensive enough that you want to sip on it and enjoy it. You know, I concur. I absolutely concur. <laughs> Speaking of which, looks like we got some empties here. What do you want? Let me grab a refill here real quick. We'll edit out some. What is the community amongst brewers? You would expect with all this, all these new breweries opening up, people often expect there to be a, a competitive environment, uh, almost like to the point of cutthroat, but it is actually the exact opposite. We find it to be an extremely fraternal, uh, sharing community. There are, there are breweries that will sometimes purchase supplies and ingredients together with so we can get better economies of scale. Uh, you know, we, we see it as a rising tide. And, and, you know, I say grab your surfboard, you know, as opposed to let's, let's fight for, for space on the ocean. I mean, we're, we're really, you know, Columbus is still an underserved market in terms of breweries per capita as a city of this size. We just got back from Portland for the American Craft Brewers Conference. And there are almost a hundred breweries in Greater Portland, whereas in Columbus, we're you know this is a bigger city than Portland, and yet we've got uh, you know a quarter of the breweries. So there's still a lot of room per capita to grow the industry, and uh, most of the breweries in town play nice, and we all get along really well, and it's a fun business to be in. So there's no beefs, there's no feuds, that's never happened? No, I didn't say that, Sean, and I'm not going to name names, but... <laughs> Just like in any industry, there's going to be a couple that don't yeah. play nice. Poisoning the and, uh, Yeah, and without, without naming names, there are a couple out there, but... Uh, we're, you know, we're we're glad to be playing nice and, and having a great time. Because I'll tell you, I can't imagine an industry that's more fun to work in than the one that we're in. And it's, of course, it's very stressful. But as I like to say to my business partner, you know, uh, if we get too stressed out about what we're doing, at least we know that we're manufacturing the antidote to stress. I mean, this is a great time to be brewing beer. We'd like to thank Gavin Myers for talking to us about the craft beer movement and his bar, North High Brewing. And also thanks to Patrick Testa for talking with us a bit about homebrew. For Pop Columbus, I'm Eric French. This is Sean Edgar. We'll be back next week. And if you're enjoying our Pop Columbus podcast, you can make a donation at WOSU.org. Mm-hmm.